Good morning to you on a Monday. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query on 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Colts yesterday losing at home to the Tennessee Titans. Kind of the same script that we've seen before. Get down early, start to kind of get some stability going, turnovers costly, Colts lose. They now find themselves with just a single win on the season. Uh, we did this after their debacle in Jacksonville. Figured we would do the same again, Kevin Bowen. In terms of your thoughts on this team, the performance where they are, the floor is yours. Yeah, it's a bad football team in a bad division. Um, and I think you start at the top with Jim Mersey right now. And if I am him, I'm thinking to myself, okay, week 18 last year, playing for a playoff berth, you get down 23-3 to to Jacksonville. That simmers for eight months. Week one in Houston, you haven't won a season opening game since 2013. You get down 20-3 to to the Texans. You respond to that in week two, you get shut out in Jacksonville, so that's 24 to nothing. And then yesterday, with another AFC South team, this time in your own building, you're down 24 to three to a Titans team that is wounded and nowhere near the team that we saw last season. And how do you not sit there and think to myself, what the hell is going on right now? in that this is how my football team has responded to these moments. It's not just four divisional games in your last five. Think about what was at stake in each of those games. Each of them had even more at stake than just the fact that you're playing a divisional team. And if you're Ursa, you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, the previous regime, which I fired, won 16 straight AFC South games. This regime is getting blown out by teams drafting in the top five, a banged-up Tennessee team, and really, frankly, you're just getting outclassed. You look at the 16 quarters of those four games, you've been outclassed in, you know, what, 12 of them, Th- 13 of them, and how public Ursay was with Tennessee. You know, you, you take the Twitter last week, you go on the rant that he did, and you come out and you're down 24-3. to That's got to be an embarrassment at a level where it gets Jim Ursay simmering, and I think these are the types of breaking points that potentially gets him to do some things that um, he has not done in his tenure. And I think Jim has to ask himself two questions. The first is the roster building. Because if you look at this football team, and hell, Naeem Hines said it after the game, honestly, I think it's been the offense. The defense has done its job. You remember Jim Mercer's tweet last year in the playoffs about, like, you can see it clear as day. You've got to score 30 points. You need a quarterback and an offense who can score 30 or more in regulation. Ursay had that tweet back in January. The Colts have not scored over 20 in a single game this season. Last year, with Carson Wentz, you scored 20 or less four times the entire season, and you've already done it in each of these four games. And then, secondly, you would have to go to Frank Reich, and again, the starts that these football teams continue to get off to that are horrible and putting you in such a major, major hole. So it it's, starts with the roster building, and you going to Chris Bowden and saying, the backbone of your football team, what you believe in, trench play and running the football, that is no strength right now. That would me have me looking at Chris Bowden and saying, you're not getting the job done and what you believe in. I question if that's the right building, but that's what Ballard believes in, and he's not getting it done 
in that realm. And then secondly, you go to Frank Reich, an offensive-minded head coach, and you look at it and say, we cannot score over 20 points in a league that favors scoring, favors the offense. Um, the Colts have finished now 10th, 7th, and 8th in the AFC the last three years. You're heading into a similar direction. Hell, you're not even at that level this season. Um, scapegoats so far, Carson Wentz, Rodrigo Blankenship, and Danny Pinter. Um, the scapegoats have got to start being at a higher level than this. And on October 3rd, you are a bad football team in a bad division. Kevin, a couple of years ago, McLaren returned to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Fernando Alonso to try to make the Indianapolis 500-mile race. For those that are unfamiliar with what that means, McLaren is a very well-established, high-reputation uh, international race team of Formula One success and legacy, who's had success in North America as well. Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion. And they came over here with some pomp and circumstance. Alonso had run with Andretti previously for the 500 and done very, very well. So there was a lot of expectation. And it was a total disaster. The McLaren team came over, and for those that are unfamiliar, in IndyCar, you have cars that are set up to run on ovals. Then you have a different aero configuration for cars that are on road and street courses. And Fernando Alonso, who's a mega talent, goes out there and couldn't get the car up to speed at all because the McLaren team, who was really arrogant, they were the smartest guys in the paddock, and they didn't listen to any advice, and they didn't take any pointers from anybody uh, until it was too late when they realized that they actually had the road and street course configuration on the oval car, and it was a total disaster. And that's what this Colts team looks like to me. Chris Ballard's really arrogant. He's the smartest guy in the room, and everybody's tried to tell him that he is setting up a car for road and street courses that, in fact, needs to be run on ovals. And whenever anybody tried to point it out to him, he didn't want to listen. He didn't need to listen. He's smarter than you are. And he came up with a football team that does have some good players. No question about it. They have some good players. Unfortunately, they're players that are set up to drive on road and street courses, and the rest of the NFL is running on ovals. And the construction of this team is flawed. And I think Chris Ballard knows the game of football. And I think that Chris Ballard knows how to put together a team. I just think that he erred in the fashion of team that he decided to accumulate. And they have very good players in the wrong positions. And those players they have that are in the right position, there aren't enough of them. In today's NFL, you got to be able to throw the ball. You got to be able to protect the football, and you have to have a young, mobile, up and coming, rising quarterback. And the Colts keep going into the quarterback garage sale every two years and going back into the discount bin and getting. They need to quit shopping at Nordstrom Rack, and eventually they've got to go to Nordstrom. And it's all come to fruition here in what you see. Love Nordstrom Rack, by the way. It is great. What you see now is the following. You have an owner leading up to the game that said he wanted everybody pissed off and tense and primal. I don't think he was talking to his fans. I think he actually was subconsciously saying that to his players. He was hoping his players would come out that way. But when you look at what Jim Irsay was selling fans on leading up to the game, and keep in mind he did say that his team was going to be all chips in period 
So what do they have to sell us on about the Colts game against the rival Tennessee Titans? Come out to the game and be sure enjoy the fact that Grover Stewart's wings are going to be there. The Maniac Burger is going to be on display. Even Jim Mercer knows that his team is so bland, so boring, and so underperforming that he's actually got to go to their culinary habits to get people to come to the stadium. And the bottom line is that Jim Mercer wants to talk about everybody being all chips in, and guess what? The fans are. People are spending their hard-earned money. People are sacrificing a beautiful Sunday in a city where we don't know how many of those we have left for the season to go down and watch a football team that comes out and is either too bored, too undercoached, or too not talented in the key areas to come out and show you anything for the first three quarters. So as I'm watching that game yesterday, what I'm thinking to myself is there are a lot of people here that are all chips in, and none of them can affect the outcome of the game. So now you're at a crossroad, if you are Jim Irsay, where your biggest fear is about to come true, and that is you're about to lose your fan base of people that have cashed in and are selling their tickets or giving them away to people to go and do something else. Now, fans are fickle, and if they win, they beat Denver, all of a sudden Chris Ballard's a genius again, and everybody's back in on board. But for right now, fans deserve better, the city deserves better, and people expect better when they go down what they want to see as a football team, not necessarily that wins every game, but looks and acts like they're prepared to try to do that. And instead, they have a coach that about the eighth thing that you would list about Frank Reich and his attributes would be his coaching prowess. He is a nice guy, no question about it. When you talk about Chris Ballard, about the eighth thing that you would list in terms of Chris Ballard of his attributes would be his ability to build a 2022 roster. And with Jim Mercer, who is a nice, kind-hearted, philanthropic, and fun guy, about the eighth thing that you would list with with Jim Mercer would be his ability to light a fire on his team and kick their ass to go out and play a game that's worthy of me spending my dollar. And that's where they are. And that's the pickle that they're in. And Jim Mercer, to his credit, has worked very, very hard to not be his father. But in doing that, I think that Jim Mercer at times perhaps has crossed over into becoming an owner that is a little bit too interested in being the best friend of everybody and not the guy that people look at and fear the repercussion of not performing to the level that he expects. I think it's really well said. A couple things that stand out, Jake. I don't think Jim Mercer is used to his franchise being in quarterback NFL purgatory. Correct. This is the reality of... 80 90 percent of this league and until you find your way out of it you're going to continue to be in this position and his GM clearly doesn't see that either um, the other point that I wanted to make off that is Jake beating Denver to me is not some cure-all it's not some Ballard is back to being a genius the NFL has outliers we see it all year long hell the Colts performed one last week they got a gift in Kansas City but last night you saw who Kansas City really is you, know, you look over the last handful of games, we know who Kansas City is. And if you look over the last handful of games, we know who the Colts are right now. One performance on Thursday night football is not going to change it. You have got to, if you if you really want to change the ways, if you really want to get this fan base back, you've got to string together. We're talking multiple month-long run here of consistent 60-minute type of efforts, getting off to better starts in games, doing it against teams that matter which would be the divisional teams on your schedule until you do that this is again a bad football team in a bad division last week you got gifted one by a team that just had 
the rarest of rare types of performances in Kansas City. That was not the Colts. Oh, man, the Colts are that good. The Colts can be that good. No, no, no. The Colts are a team that continues to get down three scores to every single AFC South team. That, right. That's who they are right now. And until you start to put repeatable performances together, this is where you're at as a franchise. I used to think, I'm thinking to myself, boy, they're going to have to trade up a whole lot to draft one of those quarterbacks. If th- these types of efforts keep up, they're not going to have to trade up any, Jake. They're going to be sitting right there. In position to draft one of those quarterbacks. My buddy yesterday, Matt Jacklin, sent me a text that said that tie is going to cost the Colts a top three pick. <laughs> and you're talking about fan bases like becoming, you know, checked out or whatever. I mean, they said the game was sold out. I was at the game. There was a lot of empty seats. So people might have purchased tickets, but they didn't show up. Yeah, they love to throw out the number of tickets distributed. Mm-hmm. That's not uh, hey, Jake, butts in the seat. That was there the realest stuff I've ever heard you say. It really does seem like the only one that are all chips in are the fans who can't affect the outcome of the game. Yeah, don't don't ask the fans to affect the outcome if the team goes out and just rolls over. And, you know, that's where I made the Ursay comment earlier, Jake. No accountability from top down. He's fine doing the the fun video after the Chiefs game. But now when his franchise has gotten slapped in the face again in his own building... There's nothing post-game. Right. Nothing. Let's start with Paul. Let's get Paul on the line here. Paul, good morning. Good morning, fellas. <clears throat> Real fast, um, I'm, I'm just so sick of the team starting like this freaking week. Um, I don't know. And this goes back to last year. Um, and, Derek, I will do you one better. You said they've not scored 20 points more than 20 points all all season long, they averaged 14 points a game. All I heard about all season was he's up-tempo, he's up-tempo, he's up-tempo. Why don't the Colts go out there and start the game no huddle? Because when they do that in the game, actually, they do move the ball. And sometimes they score. I don't understand the Colts have gotten themselves into with this old quarterback carousel. When you go out there and you see Marcus Mariota doing it with lesser talent, Geno Smith doing it with lesser talent. The Colts have all this talent on offense, supposedly, and we can't score more than 20 points in a game, and it's very frustrating as a true blue fan, and I'm getting fed up with how Frank Reich and Chris Ballard comes out after these games and says, we're almost there. Let me, hey, Paul, quick question, Do, and I don't mean this condescendingly because I'm and I am big, a big fan of Derek. So thank yeah. you, Paul, for the for, for the compliment. Paul, do you have Colts season tickets? Uh, I used to. I get, I gave them up a long time ago. Okay. I used to have season tickets, but I was supposed to go to the last two games, and I've been very frustrated, and I won't go until they show me that they're on the right track. And I'm. This is as a true fan. This is very. Very frustrating. I get it. I appreciate the call, Paul. I get it. And again, I. The problem is, people aren't going to give up their tickets. I mean, we know that, right? People aren't going to give up their tickets. Their season tickets, I'm saying. And until they do, I, you know. Colin says this. Uh, I, as of most fans, Colts fans, cannot wait for October 31st to see what happens if they get a loss on October 30th. I believe heads will roll at West 56. Jake, we've talked about this a little bit here to start the season. What would get Jim Mercer to do something of that sort of magnitude? Um, 
yesterday, I think, was a step in his embarrassment meter that has to have him boiling. Because, again, he went public last week. He went private last year in the Colts-Titans matchups. And we talked about it with Zach Kiefer last week in undressing his coaching staff and his scouting department and how inexcusable it was to continually lose to Tennessee. Well, that happened again yesterday. It happened in your own building. Now you look at the other games on the schedule. Jacksonville's your next home game, and then Washington with Carson Wentz. And Colin is referring to that Washington game on October 30th. Those are the dates that I've kind of always had circled of, if this continues, and those performances happen in your own building, and as Mark Dykton said, those empty seats continue to grow, that's where I think Ursay could do something. How much do they have under the cap? Uh, for some reason, like 12-ish million is standing out. I would have to double-check and look that up. So they haven't spent every dollar they needed to spend? Correct. But they want you to. Yeah, preach. That's spot on. You know, I mean, they, they ain't discounting the tickets, are they? Not yet. Secondary market, maybe. <laughs> Secondary market, definitely. 